You're listening to the Woman Power Zone podcast with host Ariel Hubbard, empath, energy worker, and massage therapist who shares secrets and stories of women's empowerment, learned from over 32 years of working in holistic healing arts and talking with thousands of women about their amazing life stories. If you are seeking ways to grow, pivot, heal, and up-level your life, you are in the right place. Here is your host, Ariel Hubbard. Welcome to Woman Power Zone. In today's episode, we talk with Apula Devani about the power of self-awareness. Stay tuned. Welcome to Woman Power Zone, a safe space for learning, growing, healing, and empowerment. Today, we have Apula Devani as our guest. Apula is a transformational, that's what I would call it. I would say that you're a coach. You help people transform their awareness, their consciousness, help them get in touch with their uh, feelings, their patterns, and their motivations. And I think, and you've developed your own system, which we'll talk about. And I'm really excited about that. But our theme for our show is uh, the power of self-awareness. And I would love to know how you step into that. How do, how do people step into that? And probably we should hear your story too. Let's hear about you. I'd like to know a little bit about you and how you came to be where you are today. Hello, Aria. Lovely to be here today, actually. Um, right. Gosh, it's a, it's a long life. <laughs> um, so the power of self-awareness. I had lived I had lived my life until a certain point um, dictated by societal norms family expectations cultural norms I am by lineage I'm Indian so I had a lot of uh, traditional cultural upbringing and I followed the path because that was what was expected of me and I knew I didn't know any better and I thought that was normal to just follow what was expected of me. And I did that. I got married. I just did what was expected of me, basically, as a daughter-in-law, as a wife, as a daughter, as a, you know, in a all lot of those, expectations, all those roles and yes. tried to fit into the cultural. But something never felt right. I never quite fitted in. And every and every time I felt there was something more do this than just following what was expected. And after about 25 years of marriage, I started, <laughs> That's all. That's all. <laughs> That's all. I started getting that pull even stronger, that there had to be something more, that there had to be something that was of greater value, of a greater purpose than just this to life. And I started searching. I became a seeker. And I searched and I stumbled upon various spiritual modalities. I stumbled upon uh, business ventures, you know, all, all sorts. I was exploring. Mm -hmm. Right. And then one fine day I went to an event. Which suddenly was the aha moment for me. And it said, and it boiled down to the fact that I was responsible for my life and that I had created it and that everything outside that I was experiencing was a result of my own internal mindset 
and my my own environment that I had created. As a did that blow your mind? Did that blow your mind? Did it upset you? Were you like happy? How did you feel? Because it was, well, it it's a tough reckoning, isn't it? To to take responsibility of something of that magnitude when all along it had been the fault of the culture, the fault of the family, or the fault of the husband, or the fault of expectations, and it's easier to blame everything else. But yes. that realization that, hold on, I was in charge of my own creation and the life that I wanted to create was entirely my responsibility. And it took me a while to actually even digest that. I'll bet. You know, it's, I, had the, I had the knowledge, but to actually start doing something about it was... That was when I started actively seeking for something more. I um, I started discovering what my values were. I wanted to know what my goals were. I wanted to know what I was about. I started becoming aware of everything I had been doing until that point. And were your goals so and different. values different from what you had up to that point? Or were they the same? Was there? There were some similarities, but there were a couple that were the biggest shifts. So I valued honesty and integrity highly. But that also translates, it doesn't just come from work and career, it also translates into personal life. It also trans, my mission wasn't just a career goal, my mission then became a personal mission too. So it was that, that sudden awareness of, I had all these goals for my work, and my career, and my <laughs> But what's your personal life? What about you? And then also loyalty I valued. And then suddenly it was, am I being loyal to myself? Forget loyal to other people. Hey, everybody. If you're loving this show and you want to make a difference, please go to Apple Podcast Ratings and give the show a five-star rating. Thanks so much. It's appreciated. Uh, but you had some, uh, did that require you to have some uncomfortable conversations with people? Very, very, very uncomfortable conversations, first of all, with myself. Mm-hmm. And then the courage to actually have those conversations and set try setting new boundaries in the beginning and then developing that voice to keep reinforcing those boundaries. Because it's very easy to go back to old ways because those are comfortable. They might be painful. But they're familiar and they're comfortable. Aren't they? <laughs> so so did this lead to changes in your life? I'm Absolutely. assuming it did. Absolutely. And I had um I was I had been married for a while. I had two grown by that point I had two grown-up daughters. I had conversations with all of them. Um that it wasn't working for me, that I was seeking more. And I parted ways with my husband. We separated and eventually are now divorced. And we actually get on better now in that there is a sense of personal responsibility and there's a sense of a friendship. You couldn't have been with somebody for so long and not maintain a certain sense of gratitude for their role in your life and for the person that I have now chosen to become 
and for them for being those teachers. Absolutely. And I'll bet the power dynamic between you changed when you became friends. It does. Um, we we still we we can still actually even when we sit and have a coffee we can still have a laugh we can still have discussions we can still and in fact the only person I can really talk to about uh, about my daughters to is him because mm-hmm. he understands it completely and in that sense we're still parents and that's good it's yeah. a very common shift when people discover like a different level i mean dare i use the word spirituality or an awakening or self-awareness or whatever the word is that people use that long-term relationships will change when we're stepping into a higher level of self-awareness because sometimes we recognize that the needs that we have are different than what we've been experiencing in a relationship now you're a relationship coach right a conscious relationship coach I am and indeed I am I am a conscious relationship coach and it fundamentally starts with getting to know yourself Absolutely and that's, then deciding that's... what works for you because not for everybody my resolution what I chose is not the answer for everybody So self awareness and then knowing what you need and want and then do you work with people to help them create that together in a relationship? Yes, because it's, it's realizing the aspects that work and the aspects that aren't. And the ones that are not working, can they be made even better? So that the entire experience of the relationship is, I mean, all relationships have to be worked at. I agree. It becomes, <laughs> but it becomes an easier you know, a, a, a easier flowing kind of relationship. Yes. And the different relationships require different levels of attention and care. Absolutely. We, yeah. we I mean, I, I have coached um, relationships around work. I have coached relationships around children. I have coached uh, relationships around grandchildren. Um, particularly for a lady who were, who didn't have her partner and how how she th- could then be the grandparent she thought she would have been as a couple uh, without the masculine or the, the male uh, presence. All of that, I mean, I've, I've done all sorts of relationship coaching. Right. I've done, you know, and it all boils down to relationships. Absolutely. And there's relationships, as you said, when we talked before we got on the show, it's all about our relationship with ourselves first. You said that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And the self-awareness is, is just that. What, what it is that I want or what, it, what is it that would make my relationships better outside. But once I'm happier within myself, once I have the joy within myself, and the purpose within myself, I it starts translating in my environment around me and my connections with everything else. And it, and when I talk with my students, I talk about the universal law. There are a whole bunch of them, but one of them is as above, so below, as within, so without, right? So if you are- As above, shifting, so below, absolutely. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So as you're shifting your own internal experience, your your experiences outside of you change and shift- so what are some ways that you help people become more self-aware? 
I set certain tasks uh, in my coaching. I set, I set certain tasks, uh, which is a level of commitment that they have to undertake. I, I expect when a, when a client pays, they are, have to put the work in. I'm facilitating their development. I'm not doing it for them. They've got to still do the hard work. I'm just showing away. Um, they are set tasks and they have to be committed to those tasks because being accountable to themselves is also part of loving yourself and, and your commitment to yourself. Absolutely. So that the tasking could involve, the basic tasking starts with things like meditation, journaling. I, I have a couple of journals that I have created that I send out to them and I expect them to, well, they, I expect them to commit to doing them. To doing Tell me the about thing. the journaling a little bit. When you're, what is your goal to help them, you know, achieve when they're journaling? What does the journaling do for them? Well, it hope, makes them self-aware. So it starts looking at what they, first of all, what their day was like. So starting the day with intention, what do I want my day to be like? How am I going to show up in my day? Am I, what kind of a, choose three qualities that I'm choosing to show up as today. Love and that. Sometimes, sometimes it's as simple as I will eat a better meal today. Just something a little better than yesterday. That's all. But holding myself accountable to doing it is when the, the habit starts breaking and I start forming a new habit. And that's that's the self-awareness too, is knowing yeah. that you either break it or you don't. Yeah. And then it's about what was my day like? When What was good about my day? What was I saying to myself when that good thing was happening? And... I teach them a few things. I teach them a few tools. So I teach them anchoring. So when you start feeling good, how to anchor that mm -hmm. so that they're able to recall that experience and that feeling in the body, particularly by anchoring it um, the next time they want that feeling again. I'm going to just jump in here. So anchoring is a way of connecting what's happening in your experience and sometimes it's subconscious, sometimes it's conscious, and then connecting that with the sensation or some kind of breathing. There are different ways to do anchoring. Yeah. And so that the person, they can do that same thing. Like sometimes it's touching here. Sometimes it's a, a different yeah. type. Sometimes type of it's just a tap somewhere. Sometimes uh -huh. it's a tap or something. Right. To but bring the person back in touch with that positive feeling. So yes. it, it's, it's a way of taking them from one state back into a positive state very quickly. Yes. And, and I'm letting your listeners know that because they may not know what anchoring is. And I wanted to share it's useful. And I've seen people in movies doing it recently. <laughs> you know, they're, they're, they're rubbing their, not the K27 points below the clavicles, but like right around that area or right below at the base of the neck. And I'm yeah. thinking that's an anchoring technique. I've seen people yeah. doing it all the time. Well, so, for, for me, sometimes it's just a simple, you know, rubbing. Put, putting the two fingers together or something like that. And it's a reminder for the body to then respond in a particular way because it's remembering that last anchor when the feeling was good. Yes. And that's important, right? Because you're trying to shift people's behaviors neurologically as well as externally, right? Yes. Yes. I figured. And then what the day was being like, if it was negative, what was I saying to myself? 
what was my self-talk to myself when I started feeling that way? What did I say to myself when I came out of it, when I started feeling a little better? What was I saying, feeling, hearing, smelling even, you know, trying to tap into all the senses and creating an environment that relates to that negativity? Or shifting it, right? And then, and then recognizing it so that we're then able to shift it to something that's more useful for the client. I love that. That's, that's really, really helpful. Okay, so we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to get some more tips from you about how people listening to the show could be a little bit more self-aware. This podcast is sponsored by Hubbard Education Group, creating wellness through education. If you've wanted to learn about being an empath, healing, energy work, consciousness, or massage. We have online and in-person courses for you. Find us on Facebook at Hubbard Education Group. That's Hubbard Education Group. Or go to www.arielhubbard.com. That's www.arielhubbard.com. And if you're on Clubhouse, you can find Ariel Hubbard by looking up Ariel Hubbard, A-R-I-E-L-H-U-B-B-A-R-D. And we're back. But Paula, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you coming on to our show and talking with us about self-awareness and the power of self-awareness. And we've talked about how it's important because it helps you know what you're feeling, what you're thinking. It helps you make more conscious choices and decisions. And then that affects your relationships with other people. And we shared a little bit about how there are some ways we're not going to give away all your secrets, but some of the, some of the ways that you work with people to be more self-aware because you're a conscious relationship coach and you've developed your system. And what's your system called, by the way? It's called aspire to achieve. It's a seven step process of um, getting from what you wish for to actually having uh, achieving it or a step towards achieving it. Yes. Aspire to achieve. Before we ask for tips, so how did you get from the point of leaving your long-term marriage to creating a system like that? What was your, I mean, maybe your process, like how did that shift for you? You, you went from some place to another place. You had to do something to make that happen, right? Yeah. So I was fortunate enough to come across during all my seeking, I was fortunate enough to come across a mentor and an establishment that helped develop my awareness and my spirit of my spirituality, but in a grounded and practical fashion. Almost because I didn't realize I already had a lot of those coping mechanisms in place, but I didn't have the awareness of it. I didn't realize that some of the things I was already doing can be labeled as a form of meditation or a form of astral travel or a form of intuition even. Yes. Or I'm using some of my psychic senses without realizing that I was already doing it. So the awareness was key. The awareness was key. The aware- that was vital. And then I went on to tutor for that establishment. I trained under them. I, I tutored for a while under them. And 
over a, over a period of time when the tutoring was done, I then developed my own coaching business. And I stopped with the tutoring, developed my own coaching business and established the process. Be the process has evolved organically through coaching others. And it's become a, a the seven part process has become the things I have that have used most commonly and have had the best results in having those transformations. I love that. And you work remotely, correct? I do. I well, the lockdown forced us all to work remotely in a way. So and it then has given me a lifestyle where I'm able to travel. I'm at present I'm sitting in New Jersey. When I live, I mean I'm actually based in London. So it allows me the luxury of being able to travel and working from a laptop. That's it's wonderful. And that also gives people access to you that may not have had it before. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so for I, our listeners, there, I am putting Bula's contact information in the show notes, and we'll talk about how you can reach her in a little bit. But just know that if you like her, you like what she's saying and you want to work with her, you feel inspired, you can work with her. I wanted to make sure that everyone knows that's a possibility. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. You can work with me. <laughs> so one of the favorite things that you've said when we were talking, when we were preparing for the show, because I just loved, I love what you said. Um, you said li lives are good anyway, so let's make them even better. I love that, right? Yes. It's, it's the positive focus instead of the negative. And I, I love that. Lives are good anyway. So let's make them even better. So how would you help, or excuse me, how would you encourage our listeners to do things for themselves from listening to you share? Like, what are some tips you would have for them? What, what, what are tips you would have to help our listeners do some basic things that they could do to start with, you know, if they want to work with you, great, but to just to give them a start, what would you suggest for them? I would suggest meditation of any sort, anything that quietens. And meditation is not always about sitting quietly in a space. Sometimes it can be a walk, a, you know, a 10 minute walk where you're doing something repetitive. It can be chanting. It can be Anything that takes you out of, of what would normally be a lot of things that you're doing or giving your attention to. And so most Westerners, they hear that word and they're terrified. <laughs> yes, because, because for most, it, it means sitting there quietly and having no thoughts. But yep. self-awareness self is about those thoughts. So Isn't the it? thoughts that come have to be they don't have to be given um, any, any energy. They don't have to be given too much time, but acknowledging them and then letting them fleet by is also part of meditation. Absolutely. How else do you develop the awareness? I agree. I'm, I'm with you 100%. So for those of us who are exercise freaks, when you get in the zone, that's actually a meditative state. A meditative state is your brain waves moving at a certain speed. And it's usually between 7.4 Hertz and about 4.7 Hertz. There's alphas yes. and there's theta. And so basically meditation is anytime your brain waves slow down. So anytime your brain waves slow down, that's when you're getting into a meditative state. So like she said, walking, but it could be knitting. It could be it washing could the be dishes. Anything. 
anything that's automatic now to you, because your brain has been programmed to do it habitually, it becomes automatic. And then your conscious mind gets out of the way because it's performing a task that's so automatic that your unconscious brain can be engaged and you're then able to get into the flow without too much of an effort. It's like when, when you first learn to drive, you have to engage all your senses, look around, you know, coordinate your hand movements, your, your eye, your, your indicators, your, you know, your gears. But after a period of time of doing it, it becomes automatic and you can get yourself to the same place without realizing or consciously having driven yourself there. And, and that's, that's what you call it, freeway hypnosis. <laughs> and until something out of the ordinary happens, you, your, you, your reflexes don't even engage. You're just doing it naturally because it's become automatic. And doing anything automatic is a form of meditation to me. Although I'm not saying meditate whilst you drive, that's not safe. <laughs> but but it, anything repetitive, like you said, knitting, um, walking, cycling, things that are repetitive and take, and then you start the process and your conscious mind gets out of its way, that's the time when you're in flow. Yes. And then you can be aware of the thoughts that are arising and passing away. Yes. Yes. And the thoughts that come to you then are the ones that you then start becoming alert and aware to. Another good thing is after doing an activity like that is to literally just write, write anything that comes. It doesn't have to be grammatically correct, doesn't have to be spelled correctly. Just sit down with a, a piece of paper and a pen. It's better with a piece of paper and pen because you're engaging a sense and you're distracting your mind by using your hands, you're coordinating your hand and using a, the, the sense of touch. Love it. That's fantastic. Okay, so meditation, and then when you come out of meditation, write whatever's coming up for you, whatever you're thinking. Yeah, yeah. anything you, that comes up. Do you have any tips to help people be aware of their self-talk in the middle of the day when they're doing their regular activities? Like, do you have any ways to help people become aware of that? It's a... Um, yeah, it has to be done with intention. So yeah. actually wake when you wake up in the morning and you set an intention for the day, like I said, the three things, one of the things is to actually say to yourself, can you please make me aware when I am not talking kindly to myself? That's great. And inevitably you'll get a little nudge or a little reminder from your mind that says, that wasn't nice, or you shouldn't be doing that, or something like that, actually recognize it and say, thank you for reminding me. Mm -hmm. And the more it's done, the more it will remind you. And that one, my, one of my favorite ones uh, if for that also is, if you were my friend, you're talking to yourself, if you were my friend, would you want to be talked to that way? Like, so basically... You know, you're asking like, hey, would you talk to your friend the way you're talking to yourself right now? Would no. you do that? No. And when if a friend came to you and spoke to you like that and you wanted some uh, consoling or uh, some kind of support, you wouldn't be so harsh on them, would you? Right. So it, it is a good speak way to yourself to as if you, you speak yeah. to a friend. Yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. 
Do you have any other tips for us today before we get going here? Gratitude. Ah. That's a great one. The simplest of things. Sometimes just being grateful for having that breath is enough. But I find gratitude is changes the mind shift immensely. It changes it. And once you're in that state of gratitude, nothing seems as bad as before that state. I love that. And the more grateful, I guess, the more grateful we are, the, the more things that come up for us to be grateful about. It's true. It's sometimes you do have to work at it. And that's it's always okay conscious. It's always a, it's an effort. And it takes time. I think um, research has shown that it takes on average 66 days to form a habit. Three weeks to get started, but 66 days for it to be automatic. So it's an effort for 66 days, at least on average, mm -hmm. to consciously make that, you know, as part of your desired change. It's a commitment you make to yourself. And what are the gifts that people receive or experience or what kind of shifts do people experience as a result of being more self-aware? What have you seen with your clients? I think the greatest is the awareness of something that's bigger than themselves. The, the, the experience of being part of something that's more than just me as a human. And that everything around me, I believe, is here to give me another experience. And not all experiences are pleasant. Not all experiences are um, something that we would naturally want or gravitate towards. Some experiences are horrendous. But it is an experience and to regard it as such so that we can leave that experience behind and move on to the next one. I think we are blessed to be humans. I think the gift of life is is not to be shunned it, it should be given its due credit because we are spiritual beings and we wouldn't be able to experience anything if we didn't have this human body and that this having this human body and this experience allows us to have all those wonderful moments good bad you know rich um unreal all those experiences come about because of this body. Yeah. Thank you for reminding of us. And relationships are vital because they form those connections that are that become deeper than just the human experience. Those connections can be very, very deep. They can hold a lot of meaning. Absolutely. So how can people reach you if they wanted to get some support from you or some assistance from you? How would they be able to reach you? Okay, so I, my coaching um, name is myself, Vipula, and uh, my website is vipula.com. They can reach me on my uh, website. They can book in for a free uh, consultation, a free chat. It's not even a consultation. I'm happy to have a chat with anybody and see if there's any synergy or anything I can help with or I can facilitate and then take it from there. And that's V-I-P-O-O-L-A. V-I-P, yes, V-I-P-O-O 
L-A. It's, it's not the correct way of spelling it. It's spelled unusually. Something, when I was registered at birth by my father, the registrar, I, I was born in Africa, the registrar spelt it with V-I-P-O-O-L-A. And that stuck because that's my birth certificate and, and after that, every form of ID. So it's not, it's an unusual way of spelling it. And now I've stuck with it. So <laughs> it's got a poo in it. <laughs> Something to be grateful for. It has a poo in it. <laughs> I'm grateful for it. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, Vipula, let me say it now. Let me say it correctly. Absolutely. You said it correctly. Vipula, let me thank you for um, joining us today. We really appreciate your time, your wisdom, your presence, and everything that you've shared. It's been wonderful having you. And thank you for helping us become more self-aware. And to our listeners, I want to remind you to remove... Sorry. (laughs) To our (laughs) listeners, I want to remind you to move with your power and into your magnificence. Have a great day. And we'll see everybody next time. Thank you. you. Have a great day. Namaste. Take care. Thank you. Are you suffering from OIS or over it syndrome? OIS commonly affects parents, spouses, executives, and employees alike. Hubbard Health Solutions can reduce symptoms of OIS, such as stress, pain, unease, lethargy, and a general desire to escape. Ariel Hubbard, licensed massage therapist, customizes a treatment plan that addresses these symptoms and will transform you and your body so you feel human again. Contact Ariel by texting 971-319-2618 or go to arielhubbard.com to learn more about Hubbard Health Solutions. That's Ariel, A-R-I-E-L, Hubbard with an A, dot com.